Hey, this is Ryan Burke, and that is spelled R-Y-A-N-B-U-R-K-E. Whatever. You're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing podcast. I was hoping you would spell your name, Steve. Hello, my name is Steve Rao. S-T-E-V-E space R-O-W-E period. Enter. Oh, it's tough coming up with new ways to do the intro. Yeah. You know, if we were smart, we would just record a single intro and and attach it to the end of the song and we would actually just start with well, like the opening of each recording thing. would be hey Ryan what's new yeah that's true actually we could pre-record that part too and then you would I would every episode I would it would just start with the song a pre-recorded intro and a pre-recorded hey Ryan what's new and then you'll say what's new and then or I'll just be like nothing yeah and then a pre-recorded part that says uh, so let's move on to ads and then we do the three ads and then, uh, and then, uh, then there will be another pre-recorded part that we drop in that says, uh, all right, this week's topic is, and then we do the topic and well, this if, would probably like quadruple your editing time. Yeah. It'd be insane. What if, uh, in, what if instead of recording all these shows, you and I just record ourselves reading the dictionary, every single word, every single variation of that word and then we'll hand over uh, those recordings to uh, the group and people can assemble their own episodes and make us say whatever they want. <laughs> you know, a thousand monkeys with a thousand computers running GarageBand and a thousand microphones could, in a thousand years, would randomly generate every episode of our podcast. That's not true because you need to constantly update that uh, those GarageBand computers. like. <laughs> Apple just has you update all the time. They're not going to last a thousand years. A, a, a typewriter might last oh, okay. 50 years underneath the heavy hands of a monkey that does unspeakable things hey, it's with curious, its feces. We, is Curious George a monkey or, or a chimpanzee? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a chimpanzee because he doesn't have a tail, right? Um, I thought he had a tail. I don't think Curious George has a tail. I guess I never paid attention. You need to pay attention to that Curious George tale. Wow. He doesn't have one. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's a chimpanzee. But they always call him a monkey. Well, that's incorrect. Yeah, at the end of the show, they say, uh, Curious George is a monkey, so he can do things that we can't do. He, uh, he doesn't have a tail, though. Yeah, okay. Wait, is that the justification for everything that Curious George does? That he's a monkey, yeah. So basically, like, rules don't apply to him... Because he's not smart enough to really. So basically, the they're saying that you know he can get away with murder just because he's a monkey. The pretty much. I mean, if he was, you're listening to Sixty Cycle Hunt, the Curious George <laughs> podcast. If he was curious about like you know the way the inner workings of a human being worked, <sighs> then uh, yeah, I see. I monkey suppose surgery. He could do surgery. Su- I don't know if I would call it surgery. Uh, but uh, I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not surgery. No one's no one's being surgered. He there's just a monkey with a knife. Yeah, and someone on a table. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Curious George book. I'm not gonna read to my son. All right. Uh, uh, okay, hold on. Uh, they were in the uh, it's in the books. They f- says it features a curious brown monkey. He is from Africa. But, you know, in the era when he was created, I don't know if we really, 
like the average person understood the difference between a monkey and a chimpanzee. Now, all that anyone can talk about is the difference between a monkey and a chimpanzee. Yeah. Back then, they didn't know. All right, I'm done with this topic. <laughs> What's new, Ryan Burke? Oh, should I talk about my uh, Taylor guitar experience? Nah. Nah. I'm going to do it anyways, Let's Steve. do ads. No, I'm going to do it anyways. You're just mad because you didn't get to go. I went to day two-ish, sort of. You went for an hour. That's all I had time to do. Yeah. So, uh, basically what happened is Daniel Tyek over at Salvage Custom, he's good friends with Bob Taylor, owner and founder of Taylor Guitars. And he was like, hey, man, let's set up a conference where you talk to all these small-time builders that I know yeah. and tell them how to, uh, how to grow their businesses. And what it's like having a bigger business. And Bob, who's a cool guy, was like, yes, I will do that. And so... Also, Daniel's like, there's no acoustic guitar company, so... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Non-competition. Don't worry. It's just going to be a bunch of amp and pedal builders and electric guitar builders. So don't worry about it. Bunch of nerds. Yeah, a bunch of nerds. And so Bob was very, very kind and set up this day at, at the factory... People flew in from all over the place. Uh, Doug Cower flew in. You know, Wade Burden drove down. Uh, uh, Gabriel from uh, Guadalupe Custom Strings drove down. Uh, Joel from Chase Bliss flew in. A bunch of people. Those are the only people you remember? No, this, I, I'm just <laughs> done. There was like 16 people there. Yeah. I, I've posted pictures of everyone who's there. Um, you can watch. There's going to be a video on YouTube where we covered the day. Uh, you can watch it on our YouTube channel. Um, basically, Bob spoke to us for from his heart for about three hours straight and answered questions. Right, and he took us on what I have to imagine is the full like unabridged tour. Yeah, I, I heard of like Taylor guitars. I heard the Bob tour is like the because you can go there like any day of the week and get a tour. I'm, I don't think it's every day of the week. Is it just the, week. the weekends? I think this, they have a set schedule like, oh, it's going to be on these Saturdays okay. or these Tuesdays. But none of those are are like guided by Bob. No, not at all because he's very busy yeah. being the owner and operator of Taylor Guitars. Right. So we got to see everything. We got to see stuff that is basically in development and won't be on the market for years. Now let's talk about those things. Because... In Bob's words, they are market disrupt destructive, right? Or disrupting, disrupting, meaning that they're like game changing, and uh-huh. so they need to have everything be lined up before it happens. Huh? We saw prototypes to things that have already been made, okay, and put out there. We saw, uh, basically, they have an entire wing full of people whose only job is to make the tools that they use to make guitars. Weird. Yeah. Like they, and they service and like fix all their own CNC machines. Like they're basically making and metal working and milling the parts to replace the parts in their CNC machines because the company that made the CNC machines is out of business. Right. So they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff there. We got to see everything. Bob catered two meals for us. He, he fed us beers. And then at the end of the day... What beer did you guys have? Was it like a selection or was it local? He had some cervezas. 
Okay. Nothing super fancy, but it was like, uh, you're hanging, you fed us. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're telling yeah. us everything. You're showing us everything. Uh, and then you're giving us beers. No one here is going to complain about the kind of beer. No, no, no. We all had no. a great time. That and wasn't it, like being picky. I, I just, know. I just thought like you're since, curious. Since you guys were out in El Cajon, I was wondering if it was Manzanita. No, it wasn't. Okay. Um, and so then all after all that, Bob invited us all back to his like private man cave to look at like his private selection right. of guitars and his other various uh, toys that people who are doing well tend to have. And it was just a really, uh, really incredible experience. Well, he's one of like, he's not just, you know, there's certain builders out there who are builders because they're like engineers first. Right. And so they build because that was just kind of where they landed. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely always had the impression that Bob was like a player first. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't. I think Bob was a builder first. And I think one of the big things about his success, I mean, obviously he makes some really, really fantastic guitars. Right. I think the biggest part of his, his success is that he's just got a really good mind for building his company. Right. And they really approach things in a really unique way. Like I was expecting to go to Taylor and see a bunch of guys in rooms working on wood, you know, bending wood, you know, like doing a lot of, you know, bracing work with clips right. and stuff like that. It is a bizarre combination of future technology and past technology. Sure. Where it's like they innovate everywhere that they can. And they, like I said, they build all their own tools. They figure out their own way to do things. They do things in new ways that have never been done before. It's not a traditional operation over there, but they're building really phenomenal playing guitars mm -hmm. that, you know, they're not, you know, he talked a lot about, you know, the competition and, you know, how people perceive his brand. Yeah. You know, certain people in certain genres don't play Taylor's because, you know, that's the Martin genre, you know. Right. Or, or you know, whatever. But. Right. You're talking about metal, of course. Yeah. Heavy metal, heavy acoustic metal. But it's, you know, you can't go over there. No matter what you think of of their product, you can't go over there and not be impressed. Like it's incredible. Sure, we went, we saw their warehouse where all the guitars were that are waiting to get shipped out. Uh huh. It was like that scene from Indiana Jones. Well, I saw the one picture that looked like a Home Depot. It's basically like a Costco, right? With those floor to ceiling racks. Every single spot on the racks has a guitar in yeah. it. And I heard there's like five of those warehouses or something. It's nuts. It's completely nuts. I think they're I think they're pushing like somewhere between seven hundred and a thousand guitars out of there per day. Yeah. I think it was And that's just that's just a factory here. They're building a factory in Mexico. Right. Well they have a factory in Mexico. Right, but they're they're expanding it. Okay. I think it was because um, I talked to uh or maybe he was posted about it, I don't remember. Uh Doug Cower from Cower Guitars. Uh -huh. Guitars of course. Guitars. Guitars. Uh, picking up, for, uh, you know, we're just taking this one step further. Further? Talking about these. What are we, a Canadian talking podcast? Talking about these guitars. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> and Doug was saying, like, how insane it is to be in a room like that and see all of these guitars ready to ship. 
and then be like, yeah, I make like 80 guitars a year or however yeah, many he makes. I think he said he makes like 120. Okay. Which, yeah, is, yeah. which impressed me. He's making a yeah, guitar every ten- three days. Uh, yeah, basically. That's pretty impressive. I was about to say that you suck at math and then I did the math. I was like, damn. Pretty good, right? Excuse me. Yeah. I, I guesstimated it pretty close. It's pretty good. I mean, you count for holidays and weekends and that's about right. No, it's pretty much right. 365 divided by uh, 3 is 121 and some change. Yeah, yeah. Close enough. Yeah. So he's busting out, you know, three guitars maybe more per day. I mean, a three guitar. He's busting out a guitar almost every three days. Yeah. Something like that. Ten guitars a month. That's pretty good, man, for, yeah. a, for a small builder like him. And, and, the, uh, and the kind of guitars he's busting out, that's really good. Uh, besides everything with Bob and Taylor, it was just a blast to hang out with all those guys on a Friday. And then we all hung out again on a Saturday. Uh, John Erickson from Tonecraft hosted us at his restaurant that he owns here in San Diego. Yep. And that's the part you got to come to for an yeah, hour. For, for a bit, yeah. Uh, ate a bunch of food, drank a bunch of drinks, hung out with everyone. Um, it felt kind of like uh, that Earthquaker party. But even even like more intimate. Yeah, it was. I was saying the second day, like all us guys. Now we all have each other's phone numbers. We're all texting each other. We are all like we're all like like Taylor brothers now. <laughs> We've all been like through like this spiritual guitar experience with each other, and we're like bonded for. You know, life. this is what's gonna happen. Is so we got these shirts ordered. Whatever, if when when Nam rolls around, if we have any shirts left, they're all just going to get stuffed in a backpack, uh-huh. and we're just going to be hunting people down at Nam. Yeah, like be like, hey, what size are you? Let me see if we have one. Yeah, totally. That probably will happen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, we got the the day after we had that lunch, and then we went and we hung out at uh, Satellite Amps, right. which is a San Diego company. I played a guitar through a 300 watt amp. Yeah. Through a tube amp. Yeah. That's 300 watts. Think right. about that for a while. Uh, well, we, Crate made one of those. We uh, we all had <laughs> earplugs in, and I could feel the sound with my eyes. Right. Like, that's how, like, it's not just the volume, it's the amount of air that's being pushed. Yeah. Like, it was on, like, a, a stack, and it was insane. Satellite is a crazy company yes those guys make crazy amps we might do a podcast with them sometime in the future we might do a podcast with bob taylor sometime in the future he said he might like to come on the show that could be crazy uh so fun stuff coming up uh oh also more what's new uh we are we have booked the condo for nam for winter nam so steve and i will be doing uh full coverage of nam this year well next year Right, NAM 2016, Winter NAM. So if you are going to NAM and you're listening to this, we want to hang out with you and uh, be best friends over there. Yeah, you can come on and, uh, you know, what we should do is like people, maybe, you know, not everyone necessarily has the personal experience to do like, because I think we're going to be doing a little more interview style and less standard episode style probably. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, Because, you know, if we sit down with, 
with Robert Keeley. I don't really care what Robert Keeley thinks about this, you know, $450 Mexican Stratocaster. Right, right. Like, I don't need to hear Robert Keeley tell me that that's a crappy price for a guitar. Well, maybe we'll do a couple ads just for fun here and there. Like, right. hey, you want to do an ad? And we'll do an ad together. But right. then I think we'll probably focus on doing like half hour interviews or something. Yeah. So what might be cool if, you know, you're a listener to the show is, you know, maybe we just come on and do like a 10 minute segment. Sure. Where you just, I don't know, we'll figure something out. Or maybe we'll even just like, since we're going to do all, like all four days, maybe we'll just hang out. You guys, you know, if you're a listener, you can come have lunch with us. You know, you can come, you know, we're last year or this year, uh, we went one day, we spent the whole day on our feet and didn't have a single break. Right. I think this time around we're planning on like going to NAM for a couple hours Going back to the condo, hanging out a little bit, then going back for a couple hours, just taking it more easy, right? Breathing a little bit more, experiencing it a little bit more deeply, you know, like seeing all the booths, talking to all the people, you know, just kind of having being more chill. So hopefully we'll get to experience it on a different level. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, the whole thing is being made possible by people who are contributing at the ten dollar and five dollar level and. And, and the and the one dollar and level. the one dollar level too. I know there's a couple of you, um, and we appreciate all of you. It's going to be made possible by people buying the shirts when we have those too. Yeah. Um, it's it's a big deal for us to be able to go and do something like this. We're basically uh, financing it with future money from all you guys who are contributors. If you want to contribute to the show, um, go to our Podbean page and find the crowdfunding portion and you can give us money through there. If you pledge at the five and $10 levels, then you get lined up with any merch we make as we make it is the benefit at the $10 level. You get to be in our inner circle group, which is a secret group where uh, you get to help us make decisions like which condo we are going to stay in at NAM, which is yeah. already decided, but that's an example of the decisions that we make. There. Yeah. Um, should we move on to ads? Yeah. All right, let's, let's tackle these things. do some ads. I didn't write down whose uh, ads are whose. You know what? Let's do this ad. I didn't plan this. Uh, this isn't exactly an ad, but I thought this was this was amusing, and I actually replied to this, uh-huh. and then I got a response. What is it? Uh, we got this um, email back about a month ago. It's regarding China hand-wired tube amplifier. Ah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if we'll post a picture of this. It's kind of, it's tough. I don't know. It says, Dear friend, great day. I am the salesperson from Grand Musical Instruments Company Limited in China. My name is Tom. More info, please check out our websites. www.bestampguitar, bestamp-guitar.com, www.bestgrand-music.com. But I would rather introduce you uh, one of our hand-wired tube amps. It is G5 tube amp with 5 watt. Below is its appearance f- photos for your review. It's actually a decent looking yeah, amp. It looks like a little champ clone or something like that. Excuse or like me. a blues yeah. junior clone. Uh, here is its sample demo link for your hearing. There's a YouTube link. Uh, if you have any further interest, please get back to me. I can reply you as soon as I receive your email. So the I followed the link. I actually listened to it. And basically what this store or what this manufacturer does is they make generic unbranded amps uh-huh. and as a company uh, you can order the amp and say okay this is what my logo looks like 
I need you to produce this thing. Right. So, um, so I said, hello, the amp looks great. We are interested. We currently charge $250 for full video reviews. Uh, thanks, Steve, 60 cycle hum. And I got this response. Hi, thank you for the mail. The G5 amp is priced at uh, $162.89. $162 .89. Shipping cost is $85.86. Production time is 13 days. Delivery lead time is five days. Payment term is PayPal. Please let me know if you want to try. Please reply soon. Thank you much. Yeah. So $250 isn't what we actually are charging right now for our demos. That was kind of like, a, let's see if this guy will bite. Yeah. And we'll deal with this this Chinese amp guy. Uh, not that I'd be afraid to, uh, to take $250 for a demo. Yeah. So <laughs> I replied, hello. That sounds great. Let me know when you have one built and ready to send us. Our PayPal address is the same as this email address. Once we receive the $250 from you, I'll send our address so we can get the amp from you. I'm sure our worldwide audience base would love to see us showcase your amp on our program. Thanks, Steve. Oh, my gosh. I never got a response. Yeah. A difference of, uh, of ideas of what was going on there. But he said in the original email, he said the word review. So yeah. we were both like, oh, yeah, we'll review it. But what he meant was we wanted just he wanted us just to read his spiel. Yeah, he wants he wants us to watch the video and say, oh, I will buy one unit because so the company I don't, some the, a lot of these spam emails, they just know like, oh, this person or this email address is affiliated with somebody in the industry somehow. Right. So if we just spam a thousand of them. And one of them says like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of interested in using your amp as like under my own branding. Then, you know, they're going to order 100 units at, uh, you know, $163 a piece or whatever. And the, the manufacturer is going to make money. And presumably the person who's buying these things at $165 a piece is probably going to turn around and sell them for 400 500 yeah. I don't know. They're going to throw a they're tag on there money. that's their own and be like, oh, here's my boutique hand-wired yeah, amp. Yeah, because it's a hand-wired amp, Yeah, so, supposedly. And I actually, I saw some gut shots from the Australian company that was selling these. Uh -huh. And they are, um, I, they look really clean inside, but they basically look like uh, my custom amp insofar that if you are attaching, like, uh, I don't know, 30 components to a clean PCB. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to look decent. Yeah. Like it's not, it shouldn't look like a rat's nest. There's not that many parts. Yeah, totally. Um, there's just not that much going on. In yeah. There. So I, anyway, I thought I forgot about that. And then all of a sudden I was like scrolling back through our emails, trying to uh, find a particular ad and I stumbled upon that. So I was like, Hey, let's just yeah. do that for fun. But that's where like all these mini pedals that are like, that look like moors and the, you know, the Donners. Yeah. And, Eno pedals, they're all coming from the same place that's writing these emails to to uh, to people that they got, and they're like, "Hey, you want to have your own pedal line? Here's our pedals. We'll yep. put your name and your graphic on it." And that's where all these are coming from. They're all the same pedals, you know. It's just you know some Chinese company busting out you know their reverse engineered clones. Yep. And so, now for the real first ad. Should we get some? Should we get some uh, Chinese tube amps with that are branded for sixty cycle hum, and then sell them? <sighs> <laughs> it sounds fun, doesn't it? Kind of does. 
<laughs> like just get like well we'd have to have a lot we'd have to let's be get, saving that cr- sweet sweet crowdfunding money for a while let's just get two we'll call we'll have them brand one as the steve and brand the other as the ryan yeah yeah we should just or we should order like uh five of them and get custom like get some kind of nameplate stamper uh-huh and we can like stamp your name onto this nameplate and then rivet it to the amp and then we'll sell it to you for like, yeah i don't know the the ryan custom tube amp oh my gosh you want that ryan custom tube amp tone uh. <laughs> All right, let's get into an ad. Yeah, this is a Flame Flame 2005 Orange. This was sent by Josh Bailey. Um, They're asking $350 plus $45 shipping. The Flame Guitar, Basswood Body, Schaller License Trem, Seymour Duncan Trem Bucker, Performance Style Maple Neck with Shred Worthy Ebony Fingerboard. Plays amazing. Orange Finish is okay. So this thing looks like flames. Yeah. The body is cut to look like fire. I think it looks stupid. <laughs> it looks like you could call this the coral caster too cuz it kind of looks like It does kind of look like coral and that coral. color is fiesta, that color looks more like fiesta red than orange and fiesta red of course turns into coral. If you put like a little like like tropical fish on here, people would be like, "Oh, this coral." Yeah. You put a little blue, blue and yellow. Uh, what? What? What's that fish called? Uh, like a trigger fish or yeah, something. Yeah, little y- blue and yellow trigger fish. People would think this was a Finding Nemo. Oh guitar. yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the guy who sent this actually is local. I think to San Diego. It's actually a guy. Oh really? Unless it's a different Josh Bailey, I'm pretty sure I know this guy. Cool. In real life, I, I just, just haven't seen him in like a decade. The whole like flames and guitars and guitarists and musician thing is such a tired cliche. I'm so tired of flames. Like if you look at what? Okay, what style? What genre of band would you have to be in to want this guitar? Blues rock. Blues. Probably. You have to be like a some kind of weird blues. I mean, if I guess if you're a blues doctor, you're buying a PRS or like a. You know, like some guy who thinks that he's like a shredder or something like that is who this guitar is for. But you just imagine like, like, yeah, like the blues doctor or blues dentist type character who's right. like, I'm a blues man. I'm a, you know, I'm a blues guy. And my hot, my licks are hot. I play hot <laughs> licks. That's why I wear a, a, a hot rod flamed bowling shirt. And I have uh, my, you know, my uh, hot rod flame uh, guitar strap. And I got a guitar with flames on uh, it. A hot rod flame belt buckle. And I, yeah, I got the belt buckle. I got shoes with flames on it. I got, you know, I got these these fancy blue jeans with flames on the knees and on on, on the back pockets. And I've got a, a flame bandana, like the, you know, you know who I'm talking about. This guy's totally flaming. You know the the freaking Guy Fieri of <laughs> of bands. You know. It, so. D- I don't. Do you know? Is Guy Fieri like? Is that is that a, a character, or is that how that guy is in real life? It's got to be who he really is. You can't it, fake that. Because you know, like like uh, Larry the Cable Guy, like that's all an act. That's totally an act. Like he's from Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. That guy. That's an act. Yeah. There's photos of him in the '80s wearing polo shirts. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a character that a comedian came up. But with. now I think he does that like 24 seven. Yeah. Because like that's his money. Yeah. But not Guy Fieri. That's that's he's real. He's legit. Oh man! And this is his guitar. 
<laughs> uh, this that is that is the target market for anything flamed in music is is Guy Fieri Guy Fieri musicians no just Guy Fieri yeah guys who play hot licks yeah. I just I'm just tired of that you cliche. really like saying hot licks hot licks hot licks it's and maybe we have listeners who are that type of person and maybe I'm offending them or hurting them and I'm sorry but it's just I'm so tired of it like that's just like well, remember, like, you can be you can be fifty six years old and not be that guy. Remember, like the late, uh, like I don't even know where that comes from, but I remember like uh, the late nineties when every like every borderline punk and ska kid was you were either like full on like head to toe chessboard, right, or maybe like chessboard and like and like tartan like uh, like Scottish kilt. Yeah, red, red and red and black. Yeah, yeah. Tartan, or you were wearing like bowling shirts. Yeah, like I was a I was on like the bowling shirt side of that whole thing. But at least like the bowling shirts I had, I bought from thrift stores, so they were like forty years old. Right, right. Or I got as gifts from from like people's grandparents. It's just, I I'm trying to think of a scenario where I would use this guitar in my life, and I can't imagine it. I'm never going to do a fire themed thing with any of my bands unless I do like a, like a full on, like we're in hell and we're demons theme. <laughs> it's just, it's just not worth going down that road. You know, the one thing I will say about this guitar, it's got great fret access. That's for sure. It's got fret access where you don't need fret yeah. access. You could put like a, 30 fret neck on this guitar yeah. and be good to go. I think the hardware looks good. I like the the look of the ebony neck and, you know, the black uh, Floyd Rose and the single humbucker. I think that's all yeah. great. And, it's a, and that's the trembucker, I believe, is a uh, Floyd Rose or like a tremolo designated version of the uh, Seymour Duncan JB. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a solid pickup. Let's, let's move on to the next ad. <laughs> Who sent us this uh, this baritone? This was sent for by Adam D. Yeah, big good old uh, Adam Delhanic. Yep. Uh, sent this thing in. This thing is crazy looking. I'm not sure if it has enough pickups. It's got four pickups in it. Uh, here, Japanese hollow body baritone conversion, uh, 1960s. Let me get the text up here. The perfect addition to your doom metal, spaghetti western, rockabilly, whatever the hell you want it for band. This has been recently set up, and it is the standard baritone B2B tuning. The body and neck are from some sort of 60s Japanese hollow body bass, likely a Univox or Tisco based on the bowling alley style laminate neck. The tuner holes were filled and redrilled to accommodate six tuning machines. The body has been rerouted for four pickups. The guitar plays great, straight, easy playing neck, good intonation, ready for gigging. There is a master volume and tone, and each pickup has an on-off switch, which really gets you a massive array of sounds. This does not come with a case or a bag, and he wants $555 plus $50 shipping for it. Um, what kind of pickups are those? I have no idea. They're a humbucker size, but I have a suspicion that they're not humbuckers. Um, they have, you know, screw pole pieces and then some sort of strange square like uh, 
pulpies. Oh, you know, I feel like I've seen these before. Uh, now that I look closely at them, yeah, they're definitely more like that Gretsch. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure which Gretsch model it is, but it, it's like a single. It's actually a single coil pickup. Yeah. So this this thing has four pickups, an individual switch for each. It basically has like an ES three thirty three style body. Sure. Or like a dot style body, which is the same style. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks the body's really pretty. A pretty red color with those striking ethyls. Yeah. Some sort of custom uh, pickup mounting rig here that is clear. Yeah. Which well, is probably the worst looking part of this. But even with that, I mean, it was either it was either that or I would have gone with four humbucker rings. Four individual rings. But then these pickups might be an odd size, so it might have had to be custom. You know what? The problem is, is you know, I can only zoom in so far. These might be some kind of like funky P90 style. It might be pickup. Again, it's a little hard to tell from the picture, but they're definitely mounted. Uh, like they're dog ear mounts. Yeah. No, that's not what you're seeing. You're seeing the that's the route, and then the humbucker uh, mount is inside those holes, so you can't really see the humbucker mount. It's not a dog ear. That's just the shape of the route oh, okay. and the body. And then there's a clear plexi uh, pit guard holding it all together. I think if the price was lower, I could live with that. At 555 plus shipping, I don't know if I'm that interested in this. If this was like 400 in local, I'm, I this, might lean. If this was like in a guitar shop like Freedom or something like that, and it was on the wall, and I was shopping for a baritone, and this felt good... I would be really, really tempted. Yeah, and you know what? You know what would have looked better than these humbuckers if it hit, they did do four P90s. Yeah, like imagine four cream P90s in this thing. That would have been over the top. Like that would have been so crazy looking. Yeah. Yeah, I like the thought of that. <laughs> but yeah, you, this is the type of guitar who know that you don't know if the price is fair until you pick it up and see how playable it actually is. Yeah, I mean is. every part. The only thing original here is the neck and the body. Uh, everything else has been replaced. the The bridge has been replaced. The tailpiece has been replaced. Yeah, the bridge has been milled for like six tuning holes, six tuning keys instead of the original. And four. it all looks legit. Yeah. It looks like someone did a pro job on this. So it might be one of those things where it actually plays really nice. And it's a baritone, so you don't need it to be shreddy. Right, but you want it to at least be playable. You want to know right. that it intonates. I mean, if it was a short scale bass, I, I guess it's probably 30-inch scale. Uh-huh. So that'll work for baritone, Well, also, I think. It's, a bar it's a bass neck put onto a guitar body. Uh, I'm assuming that the bridge was moved to accommodate that because the bridge does look like it's farther back than normal. It says the body and neck are both from a hollow body base. Oh, really? So Okay, I'm, maybe it's fine then. So I'm thinking what you actually originally had here was a semi-hollow base uh, with a trapeze tailpiece. Yeah. And uh, some kind of floating uh, bridge. Yeah. Uh, that's probably exactly what it was. Uh, I think the price is fair enough if this thing works. If this thing works and plays well enough, I think you know basically six hundred bucks is fair. Right, but I would need to sit, be able to sit down in a store, one hundred percent, for like half an hour, 
and go, you know, just sit there and play it. One hundred percent. You know, even on Craigslist at this price, like I'm not going to do that. Like I said, three to four hundred dollars on Craigslist. Maybe I pick it up, play it for five, ten minutes, and and call it enough. Yeah. But at, at almost six hundred dollars, uh, I definitely I need to spend a decent amount of time. Yeah. I, I, it's not. It's not unless you have that kind of disposable income. It's not the sort of thing you order. Well, on Well, yeah. I mean, if you whim. got that kind of disposable income, send it to us. Yeah, one hundred percent. Send us twenty thousand dollars, like we were talking about last episode. Yeah, yeah. We gotta buy that Kiesel. Yeah. Uh, well, I promise that if you send us twenty thousand dollars, we will buy Kiesel from Kiesel, and then we will spend <laughs> the rest of the money on. I don't think other twenty thousand dollars is a. N- oh, you'll we, we'll buy a Kiesel. F- I thought you were right. saying we were going to buy that. the company. No, we'll, no, no, no. We're going to buy a Kiesel guitar with that money, but then we'll keep the rest. Yeah, yeah. It will even get it in that finish. I can't believe we're still talking about that, and that was on our previous episode. I know. What the hell? Okay, listen to episode uh, 89. 89. Yeah. Yep. 89, dude. <laughs> that joke doesn't work. <laughs> no, it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Steve is so disappointed in me. Resophonic Guitar Project. This was sent by Jonathan Diaz. This is $65. Here's an odd one. Someone has taken a guitar and put a different top and raised the nut up to make a resophonic guitar. If you're looking for something different, this might be for you. Local pickup. Thanks. So by resophonic, of course, what he means there's is, a resonator. is there's a resonator. So it's like a, do- like a, dobro. Like a dobro. Yeah. $65. Uh, I'd offer forty-five. <laughs> How much do you think the resonator would fetch at a at a uh, recycling center? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. How much does uh, aluminum scrap go for? You know, you know, I not like you're necessarily looking for fret access with a uh, acoustic guitar. No, uh, with a with you know the square shoulders. Um, well, look at the look at the action on this. This is set up for slide. Oh, okay. I look. Let's look at the close up picture and look how far the strings are off the fretboard. Yeah, yeah. This thing wow. is insane. It's a it's a regular acoustic. It doesn't say what brand acoustic it originally was. The person cut out a piece of plywood to fit over the top of the acoustic. Plywood is kind. You know what this is? This is siding from like a mobile home. Yes, this is. No, this is siding from like the inside of a house from the 70s. Yeah. Uh, they cut two new sound holes in here and obviously cut a big hole for the resonator. Yeah. But they put this big wood on there and then used like metal, like metalworking screws. Right. That stick out super far and are probably really sharp to, uh, to attach it to the top of this acoustic guitar. Yeah. Why not at least use some, like do some beveling or do and, like some and wood drop screws and use wood screws. Yeah. Just wood screws, please. Those screws look awful. Um, I mean, you could have done this with glue too. You didn't need to use screws at all. Um, there's probably glue in there too. As a slide guitar, this probably functions just fine. You know, it probably works. It probably sounds all right. I mean, Dobros, you know, they're very unique and specific sound. They're right. not. They're not known for being dependent on having, you know, the, you know, the perfect piece of wood on the top or whatever. I mean, they make them out of metal too. They make these. I mean, the sound is happening mostly in the resonator. Yeah. So it's like the body doesn't matter as much as other acoustic guitars. 
This thing is just a piece, man. A piece of weird. A piece of, yeah, big old steaming piece of weird. Um, whoever, whoever did this, I hope that they never do it again. Um, there's better ways to do this, I'm sure. <laughs> you know what I would have done if I was shooting for this? What would you I realized that he was trying to cover up the original sound hole for the acoustic. But I would have just cut out that hole... And instead of covering the whole body with that that uh, that wood siding, I would have done a single ring of wood that fit perfectly underneath the resonator as a riser to get this effect and left the rest of the guitar body alone. And I wouldn't have used those crazy screws. I, I get what the person was trying to do. There's a reason they're trying to sell it, though, and it's probably because it sucks. If this If this turned out, then the person would keep it, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's probably some guy who was, like, nutty and did something screwball and now needs $65 to cover the rent. He probably needs $65 to repair the hole in his mobile home that he (laughs) pulled this wood from. Now I need more siding for my house. Winter is coming. (laughs) It's going to be drafty in here. Oh, my gosh. That's an awful, awful thing. Oh, man. Well, this is the time of the show where uh, we have to check on our Facebook, yeah, because we don't have a topic for this for this episode, and we put out a call on the Facebook group for a topic, and let's check to see if anyone has said anything. Let's do this in real time. There's 31 responses. No kidding. I had to put my phone on uh, airplane mode. Uh, so let's let's maybe we should just pick and choose. Uh, well, Sam Miller posted a picture of Ballast Point's Grunion Pale Ale. I like Kevin uh, Michael uh, Gladell's question. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Uh, uh I'm gonna say n- maybe. It's a percussion instrument. I think you it's put it. You put it in a big bowl and you slap it. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Gross. Okay. Uh, Daniel Tyek asks, uh, the art of the subtle behind the guitar, guitar zipper check once on stage. I do this all the time, actually. I yeah. just face away from, from the, uh, uh, people. Yeah. Like you, you'd like, oh, I'm going to go over here and adjust my amp. Yeah. Really I got, you're adjusting your, I got uh, the, your pants. I've got my left hand like on the volume knob. Of the amp and the right hand on my zipper, uh-huh. making sure it's high. Austin Valley says that he wears button crotch. Yep. That's, that sounds like he needs to have a doctor look at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I read it that got kind of sideways for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's next? Guitar strap height from Ariel Levine. Above the dick or below the dick? Never cover the dick. Discuss. Uh... <laughs> I think mine's usually above. I think the never cover the dick rule is probably good. You don't... <laughs> you got to let that guy breathe. Unless your fly is down, then uh, maybe that's that's an answer. Just quickly adjust your strap so that you cover the dick. Doesn't Ariel wear pretty tight pants? Uh, no, he wears fashionable pants. I wouldn't, he's like, not like fashionably tight. He, I, not- wouldn't, I wouldn't call them like skinny pants or something like that. He's not wearing jeggings. Oh, well, sure. He wears pants that fit him correctly. Okay. My sister is talking to us from across the room. She's she's confirming the quality of his yeah, pants. Suddenly, suddenly we're like, hey, 
Ariel's pants, and Jacqueline's like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta talk about this. I'm running into the room right now." <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And then Austin Valley says, "Cover the dick." I can't believe we're just reading Facebook yeah. right now. Uh, how about Donald Trump's favorite guitar? Uh, he probably gets a guitar from Ed Roman. Uh, because oh my gosh, both of those definitely. Get, yeah, he gets uh, like the most quilted, over the top, like insane looking guitar. Um, more beers. My sister's bringing us tecates. Thank you, sister. She's gonna move out of the house tomorrow, so she's uh, we're gonna celebrate a little bit here. <laughs> um, yeah, he would, he would, uh, he would have the most gaudy, awful yeah. looking. And, like, he, and he would memorize like the Ed Roman script about how like yeah. crappy all the other brands are and how Ed Roman guitar, the Ed Roman Quicksilver is the greatest guitar ever made. Yeah. And then someone would be like, hey, uh, Trump, uh, don't you think your guitar is a little over the top? Like it's not very, you know, like I don't think you need that much gold and diamonds on your guitars. And then you'd be like, well, let me tell you, I don't think he, uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think Fender should even be here on this stage. They're... You know, their guitar is number 11 to this guitar. Like, he'd have some sort of, like, off-subject argument for his defense. It isn't a defense at all. Right. And then he would uh, say terrible things about women and minorities. Uh, <laughs> Jameson. This is actually probably a good topic, and this could carry us. Uh, talk about why both of you started playing guitar slash bass. Uh, because I was a... A young teenager, and I was bored. Wow. And I How inspirational. I saw a friend playing uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and I was like, hey, I could do that. That looks easy. And then I uh, I started learning to play guitar, and I fell in love with it. What was your... Was the... what the Was that Hammer Slammer your first electric guitar? That was my first electric. But I my first acoustic was my mom's old honer. Right. Uh, Adam Dolhannix. Oh, I don't get to answer? Oh, okay, you answer. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'll drink this beer. I oh, started... There it is. I started playing guitar... Uh, I When I was 12, but I didn't really get anywhere with it because I got this guitar from my grandma that had this super high action, and I took these guitar lessons at uh, some rec center... Where uh, the guy was like, "Here, play yesterday by the Beatles." Uh huh. And I didn't really know anything about that. Yeah. Actually, he didn't even give us that. He gave us like something even more boring. <laughs> um, more boring than the Beatles? I know. Uh, <laughs> but it was one of those things where it's like, I could play these notes. Uh -huh. I was learning notes, but on an instrument with super high action, like playing individual notes is is super hard. And I, I wanted to, you know, when you strum a chord, like a chord and a, a, one chord and a melody is a complete song. And, uh, you know, just a melody can be a complete song. But when I was, you know, being a kid, I didn't really understand like stringing notes together to create melody. So uh, that coupled with this guitar with super high action uh, meant that my guitar playing was pretty was pretty limited. Um, and I, I stopped for maybe a couple years after that and later uh, picked it up again after, you know, kind of like the Ryan thing, like, oh, I saw a friend of mine playing guitar and I thought it was really cool. I went to a church camp and uh, where they did like a lot of music that was this acoustic guitar driven music. And I was like, hey, 
this guy's actually making some like some cool like playing some cool songs with this guitar or what I thought was cool at the time because I was 14 and at a church camp uh-huh uh, and so when I got home like I actually being two years older and being like post pubescent uh-huh. like I was a little stronger so I could handle that high action you had I, that puberty strength I had that puberty strength <laughs> Uh, That's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> and uh, so I could like, I could actually like handle the higher action. And uh, so that's when I started playing uh, guitar really. Um, and my first electric guitar was a Fender Jagstang. Um, my, I got into bass later on out of necessity. Uh-huh. Uh, basically I was an electric guitarist, acoustic electric guitarist, mostly electric guitarist. And um, I bounced to the church that I go to now. And I was like, hey, I play guitar. And they're like, well, we already have a guitarist. What we need is a bass player. Have you ever played bass? And I was like, no, but I mean... Yeah. You know... How hard could it be? How hard could it be? There's only four strings. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I didn't really <laughs> approach it like that, but like... Uh, you know, I was like, sure, whatever. Like, I, I can do that. And, I, you know, I had to com- completely change my approach, uh, which is the hardest part. But, yeah, I mean, it's all from there. Jameson Lewis wants to know what which color sounds best. Uh, three-tone sunburst. Uh, this sounds best. It, it depends on if we're talking about guitar or we're talking about amps or we're talking about uh, pedals or we're talking about... Uh, Tubes, you well, know. yeah, that's that is true. I'm gonna say overall, uh, yellow is probably the best sounding mm, color. I always found yellow a little abrasive, uh, acoustically. Yeah, well, think about bananas. Um, why would I want to listen to a banana? It's shaped like a telephone, Steve. Yeah, that's lame. You're lame. <laughs> um, that's how you get phone calls from monkeys. Steve is shooting daggers out of his eyes at me right now. Uh, <laughs> oh man! All right, what's next? Um, I'm look. I'm looking. We I'm got looking. a stall. Austin Valley wants to hear about how amazing California is. Oh wait, he says that's every episode. <laughs> All-time favorite guitarist from Jamison Lewis. Oh geez, I don't know. That's hard, huh? Uh, the problem is, is like when I listen to music, I very rarely, I actually very rarely listen to music that I feel like is very, um, like guitar heavy, guitar heavy in a way where you're like, oh yeah, that guy, he's really good. Uh, a lot of the stuff I listen to, like there might be some cool guitar melody stuff going on, but like it's one, it's one of those things where, uh, if, if I was just, like, even if you were to say like, uh, uh, to to throw out an example that I guess everyone knows, and that we that we've sure. se- semi maligned on this song bef- on this uh, podcast before. Here we go. Uh, Weezer. Oh, okay. Like Weezer has two guitar players. It has Rivers Cuomo and the other guy. Yeah, I don't know who the other guy is, and I feel like it's one of those bands where, like, uh, as far as I know, most or at least a lot of like the lead guitar work is Rivers, but. When people say, like, oh, who's your all-time favorite guitarist? I never think, like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to go with Rivers Cuomo on this. Like, because I always feel like you have to go with, like, people want you to go with something that is, 
like big not big time recognizable as a guitarist guitarist not like a songwriter who happens to be playing guitar even if they are like legitimately good at guitar yeah yeah it's tough for me i you know i tend to you know like you i think i tend to gravitate more towards songwriters um but i think if i'll i'll try to list like three people who have been influential to sure me. Chris Ballou has been like a huge influence on me from presidents of the United States of America. Technically he's playing, he's filling a bass role right. in the presidents, but the way that this, the lead parts are constructed and the way that the playing is done is very unique and has always been like a goal of mine to kind of emulate, uh, that kind of mood. Sure. Um, I don't listen to him a lot. These I'm not, I'm changing to the next guitarist. I don't listen to him a lot these days. Uh, but Dick Dale had a huge influence on me as far as how I play guitar and how I approach the guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, Link Ray is a huge influence on me. I'm a a huge fan just not because of how he plays, what notes he plays, just the energy that he put into his instrument. And, uh, I'm a huge fan of cake. I love the rhythm guitar and cake and I love the lead guitar and cake like that overdriven, classical guitar is the rhythm guitar and then just that that just classy chicken picking that's that's great stuff i mean it's it's easy to go like oh well who's the fastest you know like you know shredder like oh you know is it satriani is it vi you know whatever like it's easy to say paul gilbert ryan everyone knows it's easy to like kind of debate over who plays you know the best most notes per minute or whatever. Yeah, and sometimes it's like, but I think of it more as a. I think I I I attack that question more from a songwriting element. Like, who is doing the most interesting things to me with their instrument? Right. I, and you know, and I think that's that is like a big part of the difficulty of answering that question because, you know, if I. If I really, for me, it always kind of depends on what, where I'm at mentally too. Um, I heard a song the other day and was reminded how much I love what, uh, Jesse and Vince, uh, Vince, Vin, whatever the crap his name is from brand new. Uh I love what those guys do with guitar where they're both kind of like swapping lead and rhythm. Like it's kind of interchangeable because they're doing this like power pop punk sort of a sound. Um, I'm not familiar with them, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, maybe like uh, I really, really uh, have always liked, um, regardless of who the guitarist is, but the current one um, is uh, Brian Lawrenson from Copeland. Okay. Um, and even and on the latest album and on the early stuff, even though you d- this is a guy I definitely think falls a lot heavier in the songwriter category. But man, does he write some like catchy guitar licks? Yeah, is uh, Ben Gibbard and Chris Walla the stuff that they've done with Death Cab for Cutie? Yeah, I mean, I've got guitar parts. I could run guitar parts from Death Cab for Cutie through my head all day long, and never get bored. They're not super complicated guitar parts, but the tone selection and the note selection is just like it's simple and yeah. it's so fitting to what they do. The best, the best guitar leads and the best guitar parts in the world have always been these things that are just 
a small handful of notes played just right, you know? Right. And that's that's really the thing that gets me excited is that that like recognizable riff that you hear in a song, not the guy who, you know, is playing every note throughout the whole song and just ripping it. And that's exciting too. It's it's fun, but it's not memorable to me. Sure. You know? And that's I think that's what it comes down to me is who's making something memorable. Adam Dolhanic wants to know how to play surfer guitar. Well, basically, uh, you you play in a in a minor pentatonic, and you turn up your reverb, and then you do a bunch of palm muting and Beach Boys covers. Uh, All right, next. And then next uh, Jameson Lewis wants to know how to gent. Uh, basically, the same way you play surfer guitar, but uh, you just do it in a down tuning. Yeah, and you turn the gain up. You turn the gain up and the reverb off. Yeah, same thing. Um, Jonathan Diaz says, I just saw a wedding band. What's some of the best slash worst wedding bands you've seen? I've actually never seen a wedding band. It's been all DJs for me. I shot a wedding as not. I didn't shoot a gun. I shot a pew pew. I shot a video camera up in LA uh, in, in August had a great band because it had red pony clock as the band. Oh my gosh. Uh, A member of red pony clock was getting married Okay. So Red Pony Clock played. Uh, the wedding was officiated by uh, one of the guys from Love and Rockets. And so it was a really incredible wedding to be at and a lot of fun. That's not the worst band story, obviously. It was a lot of fun. If you don't know who Red Pony Clock is, it's probably pretty normal because most people don't. Uh, they're a local uh, Southern California band uh, that friends have been in. Basically, think of like, you know, our high school marching band from hell. Like it's, it's right. You know, they they have anywhere between eight and seventeen members at any given point, and all kinds of different instruments. And it's just a a, a real fun time. Um, just saw a wedding band. What is some of the best worst? I can't think of worst. Usually these days, it's all DJs at weddings, right? That's all oh. I've ever seen. I shot an I shot video at another wedding last year. They had a guy who was a uh, shoot. What's his name? Joe Bonamassa. No, uh, you know, guy from the '90s has that thin, stupid black elect- acoustic electric. Uh, Est- uh, crash into me. Oh, Dave Matthews. Da- it had a Dave Matthews impersonator there, like not just someone playing covers, but someone who was like full on doing an impersonation. That was hard to get through. I had a lot of trouble with that. I'm not a, I, you know, he has some hits that are fun. They were fun in the '90s. I have no interest in hearing anything else from Dave Matthews. I have no interest in seeing a Dave Matthews impersonator do anything. Uh, anything else interesting in here? I'm having trouble reading this, but Adam Dolhanic just posted this on the group. Pro Guitar Shop is now selling used pedals, like allowing people to sign up to sell used pedals through Pro Guitar Shop. Interesting. I'm having problems uh, with the site rendering on my phone, uh-huh. so I can't actually read the details, but... This is a thing. Uh, I'm. I don't understand if there's any 
if they're getting a cut out of this or what. It's I'm sure they're taking a cut off the top. Same. They're probably looking at. Well, here's what it is: is Reverb is run by Chicago Music Exchange, right? So Pro Guitar Shop is looking at it like, why don't we do the same thing? That's probably what's going on. We they they're like we want a piece of the action. Yeah. What's like, the what's the name of their shop? They're just selling it through Pro Guitar through Shop. Pro, it's selling through Pro Guitar Shop. Interesting. Will it be like classifieds, or will, do you have to become a a uh, a certified seller or something? Uh it it just makes it sound like you can just sign up and like list your stuff on there. Interesting. Um. Yeah, they're looking at reverb, and they're like, "We want a piece of this." Yeah, I'm not sure because of the way the listing is used. I wonder if they're just trying to bring in used traffic. So, because I think they also just sell used gear in their store. Oh, sure. So, I'm wondering if what they're doing is they're saying, like, if we open a classified section, then people will come in and uh, they will say, oh, I want this particular pedal. Oh, I couldn't find it on the Pro Guitar Shop. Like, you, so, so you go on there. And you search for, I don't know, uh, Boss DS1. Uh-huh. And nobody is selling a used... That's a stupid example. I, say you're looking for... Give a me a smart example, yeah, Steve. Say, say you're looking for like a Deluxe Memory Man. And nobody's, no private seller is selling a vintage Deluxe Memory Man on Pro Guitar Shop. But Pro Guitar Shop happens to have one in stock. Uh-huh. So you're going to see their listing... And so I, I, it, they make it sound like in the thing I was reading that that there that you can list for free and all communication is direct. Maybe if you check out through them, you have to pay it. But I don't know why you would check out through them and not like through another method. So I don't know what the incentive is there. Um, my thought is they're just looking for residual sales. Sure. And they're going to make, they don't need to charge users because they have, like, because this is in Pro Guitar Shop, they don't, they can just make enough money to cover those charges on residual sales. Interesting. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this develops, what they're doing over there, to read up on it. We just found about, out about this, this moment. Yeah. So it's like we're flying by the seat of our pants here. Um, and I can't even get the website to load on my phone. Yeah, I don't think there's any other uh, good questions here. Someone's gonna be like, "Well, I had a good question." We're like, "Yeah, you posted it after uh, after we finished this episode." Jonathan Diaz says, "Guy tonight used an '80s solid state PV as a monitor and ran a Line Six floorboard X3 or something <laughs> into the mixer. Also used Boss SD1 Metal Zone." BF2 flanger, boss chorus, and EQ pedal. Sounded pretty good, but they had open bars, so my judgment is legally impaired. <laughs> is is he a, is he the one who's at a wedding right now? He said uh, he I just guess. saw a wedding band. You know, it's such a funny thing. Like whenever you play a gig, you know who the guitarists are in the room, right? Because they walk up to the stage and they like look over, like. Over like everything else on stage, like the monitors and everything, like look down at your pedal board and like make a mental note of everything that you have on your board. And I know this because that's exactly what I do every time I go to a show. I'm like, oh, huh, what's uh, what's he got on his board? Oh, interesting. I just love that Jonathan listed everything that he had on there. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the secret to this guy's rig is that he's in a wedding band and he's using a line six. And so he has his settings already set up. He's not running and gunning with, you know, stuff and just dialing it in on the fly. He's a wedding band. He shows up, you know, he's got his... His yeah, patches. He's got 40 songs. He's got 40 presets. Yeah, he's got his patches completely figured out to sound exactly how he wants to. Whether he's playing covers or originals, he's got it all figured out. Yep. And as long as you're, you know, you do a good, good job of setting up those patches, they're going to sound appropriate uh, to what you're trying to do. They might not sound like the most phenomenal thing in the world, but they're going to sound appropriate. Right. And that's all you need when you're in a band that's like a cover band or a wedding band or something like that. Uh, are we getting new posts in here? Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. Rob Nordvik said alternative tunings. Uh, drop D? Yeah. The, you know, <laughs> uh, I've used a few different alternative, uh, alternate tunings, alternative tunings, uh-huh. uh, alternate tunings. Um, my favorite, uh, I've never, my re- favorite alternative tuning is the Morissette. The Morissette? Uh, I don't get like it. Like Alanis. Get yeah. it alternative. I also like the REM. The Stipe. <laughs> These jokes are lame, dude. I know. I'm you know, it's it's two beers two two beers deep. Oh jokes. my gosh. So. Uh so I've done some alternate tuning stuff. Um I if I had like a, an acoustic guitar, if I had like the space to just have guitars laying around. Uh-huh. Where I could just leave one in an alternate tuning. I mean, you can get some really cool s- sounds out of it. The super jangly acoustic guitar sound on the Goo Goo Dolls Iris is. Uh, I mean, there's a, an alternative. Is tuning. an alternate tuning. It, the guitar on that song is tuned B B B B B D. So basically, that dude's playing like one string. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the whole, and that's what. But that's what creates that like cr- like it's got a really unique droning sound. I hate to use that song as an example because it was like, you know, it, that song kind of became an anathema because it was so overplayed. It became like this super cheesy love song. Yeah. But like when it first came out, I remember hearing that song and being like, I don't know what's going on with this guitar, but I like it. Yeah. How does that song go? What's like the uh, what's like the hook? I I don't want the world to see me. That's I don't right. Think they yeah. understand? Oh gosh, stop! <laughs> stop. Okay, I've okay. I remember. I remember. I'm remembering too much now. I need it to go away. What's the opposite of that song to cleanse my head? Uh, I don't know because the other alternate tuning songs I've played were all dashboard confessional tracks. Yeah, I mean I've messed around with open tunings to do slide work and stuff like that. Yeah, I I generally don't mess around with alternative tunings just because they're just they're a ton of fun for like chord work. Yeah, yeah, I and just don't I, do a lot know, of not even for slide, but just for like standard chording. Like I said, I for me because I don't leave, I don't have a guitar to just leave in a tuning and mess around with all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just not super convenient, um, but I know there's a few different um, worship artists, like uh, church music artists, that use certain open tunings. And I've seen guys, you know, ask the question like, "Oh, how how does uh, you know, can you get the song? Can you get the sound from such and such Phil Wickham song without putting your guitar in open tuning? Because apparently, yeah. like he does a lot of open tuning work. Yeah. Um, so. I don't use it, but I wish I had the resources to spend more time at least studying open tuning. Sure. Okay, let's wrap this up. (laughs) 
You just hit the wall, man. I hit the wall really hard. All right. It's almost 10 o'clock. My, my kid has been waking me up at like 5.30 oh, or 6 yeah? every day. That sucks. Uh, do we have a song? Yeah, our song this week is uh, sent in by Thomas Rogers. Thanks, Thomas. Uh, this song is called Trio E Blues. Does he use the uh, the Digitech Trio on this thing? Um, is that what's going on? Do you, tr- trio Electric Blues? I'm not really sure. I mean, I haven't listened to this thing. I'm looking forward to listening to it. I just uh, haven't had time to to check this song out yet. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it's it's gonna be fun. Yeah, we're gonna uh, fi- we're gonna just, find out what is the story with this song together. Are you guys ready to go on this uh this musical journey with us? We're okay, going so on a trip. Steve, and Steve and I are now holding trip. hands. Oh, this dude's from Germany, man. We are standing on the edge That's of our musical cool. journey. Steve, are you ready to go on the musical journey with me? Let's go on a journey. Okay, here we go. We're about to take the first step. See you guys next week. Here we go. Oh, my gosh. Ah, we're, walking, we're on ah, our journey. Ah, ah.